0: Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from our beautiful historic sanctuary in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. We're currently in a sermon series entitled, Jesus in the Wilderness. I hope this Lenten message blesses you. Let's join in as the message is already underway. When Jesus was led then by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So good to be back uh, with you today in the pulpit. I missed you last week. I had the opportunity to uh, uh, be in San Antonio and to celebrate not only my oldest granddaughter's fifth birthday, but also to be a part of Merritt's baptism the next day, her little sister, who was born back in October. So it was a joyful occasion to be away from here. Lots of love and lots of energy. I came back with my body tired and my heart full. And uh, let me just say, I missed you all and so grateful for what God is doing in our midst. And so good to be back with you in worship today. I hope that you feel loved when you come on this campus. I hope that you experience God's love in a profound way today, not only through this message, but also through the sharing of Holy Communion together, and by our interaction with one another, that you feel the love of the body of Christ this morning. Because friend, our identity is to be found in God. Our identity is to be found in being loved, not only by God and by the body of Christ. And that is where we get the the motivation and the right centering for us to uh, go out and to ful- fulfill God's purpose for our lives and to advance his kingdom. Let us pray. God, in these moments, fill these words with your Holy Spirit. Illuminate our minds, open our hearts to your truth, and Lord, speak through me as you hide me behind the cross of Christ. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm not one for watching boxing, I don't know about you, and I especially don't enjoy watching mixed martial arts where you put two grown men in a cage and they can kick each other, punch each other, wrestle around with each other, and strangle each other. That's really not what I consider entertainment, but... Uh I do like the fact that when these two contestants come into the ring, they have this opportunity to stare down each other. And to be honest with you, most of my observation of boxing, what it's like, probably comes from Rocky movies more than from watching boxing on television. But isn't that something when the two contestants come out of their corners, the referee is there to explain to them the rules about the boxing, and they're just staring down each other, really, the last moment to intimidate your component? And I, I see that, and I kind of in my mind, mind, I think of uh, the the Luke passage, Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted by the desert. We could put some words on that. It'd be something like this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. On one hand, we had the Son of God, beloved of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit, committed to do the will of God. And in the other corner, we have the devil, the deceiver, the liar, the twister of truth, and the one who desires more than anything to thwart the purposes of God. Well, we're in our second week, so maybe it's a little refreshing to bump off of Luke for a moment and come into Matthew. They're very, very similar passages. Um, But uh, just thinking about this uh, as we go forward into these weeks ahead with the sermon series about Jesus in the wilderness, uh, I want us to think about, is this kind of a get acquainted session? You know, we know that the devil has some uh, some awareness of uh, Jesus, and that he's been on the earth, and he now he's starting his ministry. But he's probably trying to figure out what this God-human mixture is, right? How much divine power will this Jesus have? What kind of miracles will he do? Is he truly susceptible as a human being to being tempted? Because the scripture says that we can be encouraged in the temptations we face because we have a savior who has gone through a similar experience with us. So there's this human divine mixture. Has God given Satan the opportunity to give his best shot That Jesus, you know, is that what's going on here? Uh, Or is uh, Jesus giving the opportunity here to, right out of the shoots just deal with the devil and kind of just uh, get a win, if you will, over him and then kind of propel his ministry out of that confidence? You know, I'm not sure what all is going on. A lot of commentators speculate about that. And Gina and I were even talking about it over dinner on Friday night. She raised the question, did Jesus even have the thought Maybe I should just destroy this guy right now and get this over with, right? Just kind of, boom, you're gone, right? Wouldn't that be something? But then again, temptation, and battle of good and evil, really has self-will as in some interjected in that, and our will to, to choose for God or not to be with God. And then also a very important element in this is this idea that when you face temptation, friends, and all of us face temptation in different ways, right? When we can stand firm and stay with God's will, when we can be assured of our identity in God and what God loves us and that we are beloved of God, then we can stand strong and continue to fulfill the purposes of God and do God's will even in the midst of temptation, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because in the next several weeks, you're going to have the opportunity to reflect upon these, these uh, kind of questions as we go through this passage together. But this is what we're going to study today as we go get ourselves ready for communion. We want our identity to be grounded and to be found in God and what God thinks of us And so that's very important, and I will show you that in just a moment, of how Jesus, what he's just experienced before going into the wilderness, his identity is assured as a beloved child of God, excuse me, a beloved son of God, that he is able to stand firm in temptation. Also, the fact that he is so beloved by God and that God does not withhold that word love from us Is something I want us to hear as well. And then lastly, we'll kind of circle back around about what purposes does God have for us to fulfill to do His will, and uh, should the identity we have in God and the belovedness of God in our lives help center us and focus us so that we will be about doing the Father's business. That's where we're heading today. But before addressing those two main points, I want to also point out to you this, that uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament parallels are here for us to see as well. Certainly that would be very true in Matthew's gospel, but uh, even in Luke's gospel, it is there for you to see. We hear the words that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That should be like a, a Bible echo for us. That should be something that sounds very familiar to us. That numbering of 40, it's a completeness, right? We know that the, 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 the Israelites wandered in the wilderness 40 years because they failed when they were tempted. But do you recall that when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the 10 Commandments from God, he was up there fasting for 40 days and forty nights before the Lord appeared to him and gave him the Ten Commandments. And so we understand that Matthew especially wants us to understand that Jesus supersedes Matthew, all right? He is the true God. He is the Word, right? And so he also enters in a similar way as Moses did. And in fact, but he is successful because he will stand down the devil and he will be successful in the temptation. Whereas when we think of Israel and what happened to them, Moses comes down with the tablets, what were the people doing? They were worshiping a golden calf. They had already failed, and they could not wait for God and for God to speak to them, and they had already gone off track and shown their propensity to sin like all of us can do when we do not have the love of God and the identity of God in the right perspective and in the right place. So friends, uh, Matthew says in verse 2, after 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And I just found myself just kind of saying, thanks Captain Obvious, right? I mean, he's, of course, he's hungry. And, uh, and I'm one to say I couldn't even fast for 24 hours. Uh, so <laughs> I think Jesus is a real, uh, real man's man. He's a real stud. And let me just say this. <laughs> well, hear me out on this. I think that, uh, I think we make Jesus meek and mild. I think we make Jesus out to be this soft and gentle Savior. This guy is tough, and I want you to look at the bulletin front cover. There's no accident on this Jesus in the wilderness. This is an actual picture from the Holy Land regions. This is what the wilderness looks like. Okay, it is not uh, a, just a beautiful uh, forest area with streams of uh, flowing water and and places where you can get shade and and comfort from the elements and find food and, and other animals there in the in your midst you 're looking at what Jesus did for forty days and forty nights a very rough region, a harshness, cool evenings, hot days, not a lot of opportunity for shade. Of course, he's had to stay hydrated, right? But there was jagged rocks and crumbling limestone and yellow sand. And this is the 40-day period of the wilderness that Jesus was in. I have a lot of respect for Jesus for that type of entry into ministry. This was a harsh element of fasting. But how could one go through such harshness and difficulty, except for the fact that he was what? In those 40 days, he was praying, he was communing with the Father. And there's just a word of encouragement to all of us. No matter how hard life gets, no matter how difficult your circumstances may seem in this moment, if you can stay grounded in God's love, if you can remember your identity in Jesus Christ, if you can stay knowing that God loves you and the church family loves you, then you can persevere through almost anything, friends. So friends, this is where we wanna go. Jesus is hungry and Jesus is alone. And I don't know about you, but let me just speak for myself. When I am hungry and I feel very much alone, I am very vulnerable. That is when I am at my worst. Let's just think about that, you all. When you're hangry, right? right? And when you are isolated and not connected with, with those that love you, we know Jesus is a relational guy. He'd have 12 close disciples, three inner circle friends, and you feel isolated. I'm telling you, the only way Jesus could be ready to face the tempter in this moment is because of the love of God has filled his heart, and he knows who he is, He knows his identity is secure in in God. He knows that he is the beloved son of God. And what I love about this, friends, is, and this is kind of the reason why I like Matthew here, because Luke has the baptism of Jesus, and then he has this genealogy section, and then he gets into going into the wilderness for temptation. But Matthew hits it right on there. I wanna just back up a little bit. Chapter three, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, "'This is my Son, whom I love.'" with him, I am well pleased. What a great affirmation from the Father. And I believe hearing that affirmation is what gave Jesus some inner fortitude and strength to be driven by the Spirit into those harsh conditions, and then during that time to encounter the deceiver and the one who was trying to thwart him off of the will of God. And I wanna just point out this thing. This is a very important point for us to hear today. Before even Jesus did one miracle, before Jesus would even speak to anyone or offer them an opportunity to follow him or to bring salvation to him, Before Jesus did one act of ministry for God in his kingdom, the Father affirmed him and the Father declared, I love you. You're my beloved Son. I bring that up because so much of our identity is what we've done. So much of our self worth, especially men, let me just say, is tied up in what have you done for me lately? right? What have I accomplished lately? Because as soon as I feel like work's not going as well, I'm not accomplishing that much, all of a sudden I can begin to have my my confidence begin to shrivel down, right? I, I begin to lose some of that confidence. Not for Jesus. The Lord has affirmed him before he has even done one thing. And I love that about this story. We don't really know what Jesus did those 40 days in the wilderness. You know what? I love, though, we only know of the story for the gospel writers because Jesus told them about this story. There were no eyewitnesses. We don't know. I wish, I wish we had more about what he did with the Father, but I think that not knowing means that, guess what, you have the creative personality that God has made in you, that you can develop your own intimate relationship with God just as Jesus made his own intimate relationship with the Father. And there's a freedom in that. So we're not having to just lock in and we got to do just like Jesus did here with these, with his father there for those 40 days. But he came out of it knowing he was loved, affirmed, and ready to go. So I want you to write on the back of your bulletin where it's uh, got some room for note-taking. I just want you to write my identity. That's all you have to write. My identity at this point. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to buckshot you with some scriptural passages, actually not even the passages, phrases that help you identify your identity according to God, okay? And here we go. I am God's child. If you want to write that down, write it down. I am God's child. I am chosen, right? The Scripture says we are chosen of God. I am a new creation. I am forgiven. I am free from condemnation. I am Holy Spirit-filled. I am also Christ-filled, as Jesus has taken up residence, according to Scripture, in my heart. Nothing, therefore, can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now you think about that. You just look over that list. Again, I'm a child of God. I'm chosen. I'm a new creation. I'm forgiven. I am free from condemnation. I am Holy Spirit filled. I am filled with the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, maybe you couldn't write fast enough. That's okay. I want to give you a, a homework assignment. And then and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go on the internet, and I want you to Google these words, or whatever search engine you use, my identity in Christ. Write that down, my identity in Christ. Or what does the Bible say about who I am? And friends, you will get great PDFs, all kinds of documents that show how other brothers and sisters in Christ have gone through the scriptures, have given the scriptural references, and nailed down all these types of phrases. Child of God, chosen of God, you know, new, new creation, forgiven, and you can compile for yourself, and I think this would be an absolutely wonderful devotional exercise to do. Maybe even go outside today, sit out there into the sunshine under a tree, and enjoy the creation, and just, and just Google this, and get filled up with who you are in Christ. You are not only, all of this, your identity is not only what God thinks of you in the scriptures, and it's not what you've done lately for somebody else. You are beloved, beloved. What an interesting word, beloved. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. 2007 study of religious beliefs and attitudes by Templeton Foundation revealed that 37% of Americans believe that God is a judge who wants to, to punish those who do wrong. And that's one out of every three Americans. Now, friends, I know that God wants to discipline us Hebrew Scripture says that God loves us so much He disciplines us just like a loving parent will discipline a child when they've done wrong to help them learn right. But if that is the, uh, the most important narrative that people have, that God is this angry judge just looking out for ways to, to punish us or to smite us when we do wrong, then friends, we have not done a good job being a, goal, a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Because this word, I'm telling you, and the exercise of who your identity is, has a whole different narrative to share with us that needs to be shared with the world about how much the Father truly loves us. And we talk about here at Marvin, we did a survey, the Reveal survey, you might remember that a couple years ago. And we talked about the fact that a lot of people are just following Christ but there's two more quadrants we need to move people closer towards. We need to move people from following Christ to being close to Christ. And then we want to move people from being close to Christ to being Christ-centered. Because if you're centered in Christ, your identity is going to be what God thinks of you and not what the world thinks of you. And there are lots of messages out there for us to get tripped up with, friends. It was St. Ignatius of Loyola who said he wrote about holy indifference. And friends, when I first saw holy indifference, I thought, this can't be right. How can you be indifferent about being holy and be Wesleyan, right? Of course, he wasn't Wesleyan. But the idea is this. The indifference is about the world. And Ignatius says, let's go. Uh, out, let's not uh, find our identity, or uh, let's be indifferent, he, should say, he would say, to the things that really don't matter. They don't really matter as much. And let us be passionate about the love of God and staying engaged with anything that helps us to love God. Better. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. What are the things that you're doing that are helping you love God better and love others better? These are the things that must grab our attention. Those are the things which we must be resilient and sticking to and working our lives around and centering our lives around them. And friends, so often we get tangled up in things that really don't matter. That's where the indifference word comes. And I have a confession to make. Yesterday, I was really disappointed in my Baylor Bears basketball team. And I'm sorry that the Kansas fans could say the very same thing about what happened to you all as well. Friends, it really wrecked my day for a couple of hours. And Gina, I'll be honest, Gina politely asked me to leave the room. And where I'm going with this is, I don't want to give up chocolate for Lent. I need to give up being so connected, having my happiness so connected to Baylor athletics. (laughs) That's where God needs to do a work in me. That's a transformation that will change my life. And uh, Susie Rippey was here in the 830 service. I said, I remember the day when Dr. Pat Thomas came to me and said, you know what? I'm giving up on the SMU Mustangs determining the happiness of my life. I'm no longer going to look to 18 to 22-year-olds to provide happiness for my life. Now, I know the Big 12 tournaments this week, and I know the NCAA tournament's coming. And so, this is a growth area for me. I'm just being honest with you. But we should be indifferent. I need to be more indifferent Okay, they had a bad day. Maybe we got, a, we got another game coming up. The tournament's coming, right? Whatever. I want to be a good fan, but I can't let my attitude, I can't let my day be trashed by the way 18 to 22-year-olds put a basketball or not put a basketball through the hoop, right? <laughs> Our belovedness of God is what really is going to make a difference And I'll share with you real quickly a beautiful moment of the baptism uh, last week was that one of the traditions of Kirsten, my daughter-in-law's family, is that uh, when the church moves into prayer time, and the Lord's prayer, her family holds hands. And so, as we moved in that time in the service before the baptism, she reached over and grabbed my hand. How sweet was that? How sweet was that? Friends, the church is a place where love should occur and spouses should hold hands during prayer time and come to the communion rail and grab the spouse's hand as you share in the elements and pray together. This should be a place where love multiplies and grows and that others who come in see that love in our midst. And I'm just telling you, I went last Sunday, it was a different worship service, I missed you guys, but that moment really stood out to me, that and laying hands and blessing and baptizing uh, my granddaughter for sure. But love, knowing that we're loved of God because as little Merritt was baptized, I remembered just how much God loves her. And that's why we do infant baptism in the Methodist church, because we want a child to know that God is for them. God is with them. And God wants this community and the parents to be guiding them and leading them in a Christian way, getting them started in the most important decision they will make in their life, accepting Christ as Lord and loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen, church? It's not about basketball. It's not about your office. It's not about your new car, your bigger house. It's really about Jesus Christ and being loved by Him. And that's where we find our purpose, and that's kind of where I want to wrap this up. You know, I think it's interesting. I don't want to miss this point. I want to say a little teaser for next week's sermon. Next week, we'll begin... The devil's tactics. We'll start unpacking the devil's tactics and the questions that he has for Jesus. And do you know how it starts? If you are the son of God, then why don't you prove it? What is the devil doing, friends? He's going after Jesus's identity. Right at the go. We'll get into that next week. But I just want to share with you the importance of who you are in Christ. And as we think about our purpose, once we have our identity in place, once we know that we are beloved of God, then I think we're in a better place to say no to those things that tempt us and to really fulfill the mission that God has for us. Now, I carry around business cards and on this business cards, oh, it still says I'm lead pastor. <laughs> That's good news, right? But you know what? I'm more than the lead pastor of Marvin Methodist Church. I am God's child. I am beloved of the Father. I am Holy Spirit filled. In fact, Christ lives in me. I am chosen of Christ. That is my identity and it is out of that identity from which I will serve. I have a good friend who's uh, had some health issues and he's recently gotten better and he says, you know, I still feel like God has something for me to do. I hope I can discover what God has for me to do. I share with him, yeah, that may be right. God has a special mission for you, but let me just remind you that if you carry a business card that you're God's child, That you're God's person, you're Holy Spirit filled, God is living in you, and as God, you're a co laborer with Christ, then guess what? You're available to God for anyone, anytime, for any reason. It might be a conversation with the one who's serving you lunch today, it might be a coworker who's going through a hard time. It might be a child that lives next door that's going through difficulty or doesn't have a father in their life, and you step in and you make yourself available. Friends, when you have a good identity and you know you're loved of God, all kinds of possibilities and purposes are ready for you to serve. And that's what motivated Jesus to take on the devil and start his mission to save the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 830 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. God's up to something here at Marvin Church, and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church, its ministry, and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any help and assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you let us know.